But as they're getting ready, can somebody signal me when they're ready in there? Okay. Um, I thought about this. Um, Think about, Hudson, to think about some of those Christmas movies. You watch Christmas movies? Yeah. Like, um, how about the classic thing of a a Santa movie, all right? Now, don't get upset because I said Santa. It's, It's the whole idea of you got this person that nobody believes is really Santa, right? except a child. Or, you know. And the whole movie is built around this thing. It's all this denial. And then that climax in the, mo- in the movie where all of a sudden it's true. And it's just, it's fun, right? It's just fun to it, kind of walk through that. And you almost like you participate in that. And, and um, Yeah. Okay, they'll open the door when they're ready? The door's still closed, so they're not ready. All right. But, but it, those are always fun things, you know? Uh, when there's this, all of a sudden, the few who knew the truth and were rejected are finally vindicated, and all the naysayers finally go like, wow, you know, it's, it's a great moment, you know, mo- well, what if, I guess my prayer and hope, I think, for all of us is that if there's any thoughts about Christ's birth and, and what we're going to dis- portray here, and if there's any thoughts that somehow that, that this story is kind of analogous to the guy in the red suit, or the, that all that would go away, and there'd be a revelation like, there is, this is absolute truth. And there's no more denying it anymore. He's the one who really, he really, he really did come. You want to get down? He really did come and really has, uh, is who he said he is, has done what he said he has done. And it is good news of great joy for all the people. Amen. And uh, so I'm going to um, um, let my lovely wife come and you're going to, she's going to read out of Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 18, and then makes him introductory remarks. And so, uh, and then, good, all right. Okay, Luke 2, um, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bible, you can turn there just, just so that you know where the Christmas story is told. Okay. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Bethlehem, or the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who were heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God <clears throat> excuse me, for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. So we're going to kind of show you our rendition of this story. Okay, from a little country church, and um, so I hope you enjoy what we've kind of put together um, to show the, the story of Jesus and celebrate um, Christ's birth here on earth, and so I think we're ready. Are we ready? Hope you enjoy this. Mary, did you know? Your baby boy would one day walk on water. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you
pictures, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. But let's just recognize we're not looking at a fairy tale here. We're not looking at a bedtime story. We're looking at something that really happened in history in the time the Bible says it happened and the world has never been the same since to the very extent that we even count time from this moment. All around the world. Amen? Amen. So God, I pray that you would just rivet the truth, the wonderful good news into all of our hearts that you have come and lived and died and rose again that we might live. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's thank these great folks. You guys can go and sit down. Appreciate the last minute. Uh, our Mary, original Mary, was sick. Came in, And then we had to punt, and then we had this beautiful pink little angel. We had a great little outfit for her, but, you know, at a year and a half, you get what you can take. You take what you can get. Take what you can get, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's right. I hadn't thought about that. Right. Because little um, um, Elena, that was uh, um, Joseph's one. She is would be about the age, probably, uh, that Jesus was when, when the wise men came, and so. And there weren't three, but the Bible doesn't actually say how many there are, does it? Because there are three gifts. There probably could have been more, well more than three wise men. Uh, and you can be sure that when they came, they brought an entourage because they traveled for probably about three to five months to get from where they were to, to where Jesus was. They were over there in the present day like uh, southern Iraq, Persia. Uh, would have been called Persia. And they, so they would have had their servants and their camels and stuff with, loaded down with... And so when they came into Jerusalem that day, and they said, where is the one born king of the Jews? <laughs> you bet there was a little upheaval because the people knew that that was King Herod's title and he had gotten it by conniving and politicking. And I don't know if there was some murder involved, but there was some a lot of uh, bad stuff that he... He did everything to get that title, King of the Jews, and now there's someone born King of the Jews. Uh, an absolute uh, viable threat to his to his throne, and and um, and all that happened there. So I just, I mean, what a wonderful thing! You think about all the heroes. I mean, all the, the characters you had, of course, Mary and Joseph, and the baby, of course, Jesus, and then the various ones we see here. So I mentioned one of the villains of, of, of the Christmas story, right? King Herod. Who's the other villain? Some people, not as bad, some, but some people kind of look down on. Let's just put it that way. Huh? Did I hear it? The innkeeper. Right? And I, I was going to try to portray him. If you haven't been here, the last two Sundays I portrayed. I, last Sunday I was Joseph, right? And the, the Sunday before that, I was Zechariah, <clears throat> John the Baptist's uh, father. For those of us who were here, as it dumped snow outside, I was. So. Um, 
But I just take a moment. I'm not going to get dressed into an innkeeper's outfit. Let's just, let's just imagine what would the innkeeper, how would he defend himself? I mean, like, you know, he, could, he might, um, <clears throat> he could actually probably explain some things. You've got to understand, in that day, um, this is Bethlehem. Like, Deer Park doesn't have a hotel either, right? <laughs> All right? And what they probably had were more like guest rooms, attached to either prominent people in, in the community or, or maybe certain family members uh, like that would be either Joseph or Mary's descendants or, or, aunt, or family members that are still in Jerusalem. And they would have a home, a, a room, maybe attached on the top of their home or on the side, and that would be for guest travelers. The interesting thing about this, the, the story that Cindy uh, just read was out of Luke chapter 2. In Luke 22... So the same author, he talks, it's about the time where Jesus tells his disciples, go into Jerusalem, find this person, and ask this question. Where is the guest room, the guest room, where I will, I am to celebrate the Passover with my disciples? Well, the Greek word for guest room is the exact same Greek word in chapter 2 that is for in. And so, let's give him some slack. You know, I mean, he wasn't. But then, but then you might say, but you put the baby in a manger. I mean, and I, I can imagine somebody actually portrayed this once. They said, he might say something like, well, I didn't know he was the Messiah. The, he could also, the, the town was flooded with people, small town, good old Caesar Augustus, once it can't help but tax everybody. And so that's why I make everybody come here and we don't have room for everybody. We did the best we could. But if I had known he was the Messiah, I would have done something different. But I didn't know. And then the next thing he might then say to people who are criticizing him, but you know, what are you doing with him? I put him in a stable, but I didn't know. But you know, are you putting him in a stable or is he, you bring him into your home? And that's really what, what the decision that you and I have, have to make, isn't it? Um, um, but, so, let's talk about things. You got those um, half sheets? Ready? Okay. Okay, I just need some help passing out these sheets. Uh, these are for you. you, no charge. You ever had someone, uh, a preacher, somebody go through a bunch of scriptures, you know, and you wish you had them? Well, I'm going to give them to you. All right? Um, and um, this whole thing about, 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 about Christ and uh, salvation, well, the key element is what for you and I? It's the word faith, Right? Um, it's by faith we come to Christ. It's by faith we're forgiven through our repentance and, and faith in Christ. And it's by faith that we become the children of God. A faith that that's, it's a confident kind of faith. It's a, it's a life-impacting truth. We're, we're, we're convinced in this truth of the gospel so much that it changes your life. That's, that's how you know someone really loves Jesus. Not that they're perfect, but they're, they don't just keep walking the same way. Their life is, their evidence is evidence that they are endeavoring to live their life in a way that, that would honor God. And so things begin to change. 
And it all begins with faith or, or belief. But as you, now, now don't, I don't want you to cheat read. You just, just hold on to that. We'll get rid of that for a second. But I want to talk about, about belief, though, in, in another sense. About faith. Can I use this to word, the word belief in this case, but it's the same thing? Um, as important as, as faith is for us in coming to Christ and putting our faith in, the, in God and his gift of salvation, right? Does faith change or create anything? Does your belief... Now, I, I agree. It does in the context of people walking in faith with God. Let's take, let's take God out of the picture. Let's, let's make it you're just a human being. Well, we all are. If you're not a human, talk to me later. Um, but it, the human beings here. You don't know God. And you're in this life. And you've chosen you want to believe this. Let's say I want to believe that north is that direction. And the directions I'm giving you that I, that I need to get somewhere, and you, you need to go north on 395. And I've decided my truth is north is that direction. How many know I will never get to my destination, no matter how confident I am that that's north? I don't care. I reject all these other believers. No, that's north. No, north will always be north. Two plus two will always equal five, right? Listen, if, if you don't believe that, the bank will make sure you know that. If you try to do your finances in any other formula than something like that. Now, there are actually those out there in some of the most woke kind of, like, let's just assassinate common sense and, 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 and thinking and trying to say that, that 2 plus 2 can be 5. Um, some of these things are out there. But it, 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 it'll never be true. 2 plus 2, 2 plus 2, if you have 2 apples and you add 2 more, you will always have 4. Fire is always going to be hot, right? Ice is always going to be cold, right? We see a lot of that this time of year, right? Gravity will always win, <laughs> right? Especially the older you get, you know what I mean? Gravity kind of wins. We don't have to go any farther with that. Um, the English grammar cannot be changed because you believe differently. A plural... A uh, third-person pronoun is not applied to an individual. I am not a they. Right? I don't care how much you believe that. It, it doesn't make any sense. No matter what I believe, my biology will not change. You can't, you, your belief will not change your DNA. Or the X and Y make them an XX. You know what I'm talking about. You, it can't. And we could go on. That, but believing contrary to what is nature, contrary to what is true, changes absolutely nothing. You cannot change reality simply, simply because you want to believe it's different than reality. And that's what makes our, the cultural crisis that's going on, the madness that is going on in our society. These are, this is like a cult-like religion that's happening. There is this new... I don't know. We believe in, we need a great awakening. What they have is a great awokening. All right? Can I put that, made up that word? Where 
You and compliance is absolutely demanded. You have to assassinate your understanding of truth and common sense, and you better believe what we say. The LGBTQ, I'll leave out the T right now, but the LGBTQ group, I, I wrote a column on this several months ago, actually for, for last June at the South Stevens County Times. The truth of that, and I don't, I don't mean to be harsh or unkind, but there is nothing, nothing, absolutely not a single thing anywhere in nature of any kind of life form that is consistent with, with that behavior. And so you have, to, you have to annihilate everything you know about truth and life to believe that. In fact, if, if there is any life form, of, uh, if it's plant or bird or, or fish or a mammal or that, 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 that engages, is, tries to be L, G, B, or Q, they are extinct in one generation because it's not natural. Not to mention other things that have come from that. Even the chant transgenderism, the, 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 the cult-like revival you could almost call that's going on. Um, uh, as I said, and I, I'm just, aren't you just like amazed at, at the, these, almost like there's these woke prophets. You better say yes that you are what that boy is a girl because he says he's a girl and that's, that, that, that's it. And all the horrible things that are happening to these young people's minds, bodies and stuff um, and the, the d- destruction that is happening. Because they chose to believe a, a, a lie and think that somehow they could create a reality that was not true simply because they believe it. How about atheism? Well, I don't believe in God. Okay. Doesn't make him go away. It won't keep you from standing before a, a holy and righteous creator of all this universe and have to give an account for your life. It will not stop anything. Not believing in God does not make him go away, does not make heaven go away or hell go away or, or right and wrong. It, believing that if we just have enough billions of years, evolution is true. You know, there's a uh, number of years ago, about a dozen years ago, I think, there was a famed uh, Yale professor, um, uh, David, his last name was hard to pronounce. It's, it's, it looks like it's Jelurnter, but really a very renowned um, Yale professor there in one of the you know, premier Ivy League schools that were was established to bring preachers, and now they reject Christ. But he had believed in evolution, but he came to the places as they were trying to... Anybody who wanted to talk about intelligent design... I mean, the Bible says in Romans that all creation, and in Psalms, all creation declares the glory of God. We are without excuse. There is absolutely a creator. There is a divine, supernatural, meaning outside of nature, being who created all this because that's the only explanation when there's this intelligent design and beauty and purpose and, and organization and balance. There has to be somebody who put that together. A rock flying through space could not figure that out on its own. And yet he would say any discussion in, in these halls of higher learning that would talk about intelligent design was squashed. We don't want to hear that. And he, 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 said, he said, you know what? He wasn't willing, ready to believe in God, but he said, 
The thing about evolution is not about the missing links, is that there are no links at all. And yet in our schools, you are expected to teach and believe that. And yet nothing is created simply because you believe something different. That's so important we understand these things. We, yeah, you know, what Oprah, years ago, she was the one who coined the phrase, well, you believe your truth, and that's wonderful. I'll believe my truth. You believe your truth. You can have your truth, and we'll all have our own truth, and we'll just sing Kumbaya and be happy together. But you can't exist by creating your own, your own truth, right? I would like to create my own truth, you know, get a paycheck. I believe that's $2 million. <laughs> Put it in the bank machine, and I enter the amount. Well, that's, my, that's my reality. That's my truth. Those, that decimal point means nothing. If, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's in the wrong spot. I'm being facetious. I'm sorry, but... But we understand that Jesus, in John chapter 8, Jesus did not say that, that faith will set you free, did he? He said the truth will set you free. You, you, you can believe whatever you want. But you cannot get away from the consequences of believing what you believe, good or bad. Right? I, 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 I wish it was some other way, because there's a lot of things I would like to be true that aren't, you know. Maybe, maybe I'm not the only one in this room who feels that way sometimes. But Jesus said, the truth will set you free. And the good news is that Jesus has come. He has revealed himself. God has given us the record of, of, his, of who he is and, and the way that we might be saved. That this really is a time of good news that produces great joy because we found the answer, the remedy to that which had separated us from a holy and righteous God that we will stand before one day. And yet he said, I'm, I, don't, I didn't create you for destruction or wrath. I created you for life with me and I I'm making a way. The devil thought he won in the garden, but ha ha, I had a plan. And, um, and you can be saved and forgiven and become a child of God. Christmas is just that first salvo from heaven uh, in the ultimate rescue plan, right? Uh, redeeming us from, from, from our lost condition that we might come and know Christ. Um, and so, as I've already stated, this, this and Jesus himself is a historical figure. And now you can look at your piece of paper. You have my permission. You've probably already been looking at it, and that's fine. But I want you to consider this. Just I want to drive home the truth of who Jesus is. You know, so you could have some guy up there preaching. He's been a Christian for a long time, and he says Jesus is true. And you go, yeah, yeah, that's what you believe. You know, let's look at these things. There, Jesus fulfilled in his life, full life, birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection, uh, 333 Old Testament prophecies containing over 400 uh, facts. And so I'm going to give you 15. I got 15 there for you. And there's multiple facts in some of these for your own. We're not going to read all these scriptures. Everybody said amen to that. We want to get going. Um, and we have church tonight. But. These things that were prophesied about the Messiah centuries before Christ came. Anywhere from 500 to 1,000 years before Christ came. In Isaiah 7, 14, prophesied about the virgin birth. That the virgin would be uh, with child. Uh, and um, as we looked at last week, well, 
Of course he, of course she would. That God, God's Messiah would, would enter the world in a, in the most unique way of all. And then we could also talk about the fact that, um, of the biology that, uh, that, that would make him, um, uh, without sin, uh, but this was, of course, was fulfilled there. Luke one thirty five, um, called out of Egypt. The Bible in Hosea eleven uh, one it says, "I called him out, my son, out of Egypt." Well, understand first, Mary and Joseph lived in Jerusalem, but he had to be born in Bethlehem. I'm kind of get ahead of myself, and so he, God orchestrated uh, a, a Caesar to, to to move people in the right place, and then and then after the wise had been left, of course, you know what happened. Um, Herod asked the wise men to come back and let him know where Jesus was because he wanted to worship that worship him. He actually wanted to kill him. Uh, and God warned the, 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 the Magi in a dream to not go back there, and they went by a different route when Herod realized he had been tricked or his plan didn't work. He ordered his men to go to Bethlehem and kill every boy under two years of age. Why does the, do the devil's servants go after children primarily? So much of that. Amen? So, anyways. And so God warned Joseph in a dream that night. He said, take your wife and, and child and go to Egypt. And they did. They spent a, a few years in Egypt. And then when, when Herod had died, they came back out of Egypt. Um, and, of course, Micah 5.2 is where is the thing about being born in Bethlehem. Kind of jumped ahead there. Um, but... Um, and then the star, we talk about the star, uh, is, is mentioned in Numbers twenty four seventeen, And, of course, Matthew 2, it talks about the star. And, you know, astronomers can take you back, uh, you know, because they know where the stars are now. And they, they can figure out where they were at certain times in history. And they can take you back to the, these times where, where the uh, um, some key planets aligned in a very unique way that there truly was a very bright star on that night. In fact, it would reoccur over several months, which would make sense. They saw it in the east, and then when they finally get, the Magi finally get to Jerusalem, and Herod says, you know, finds out it's Bethlehem, and they start heading, heading off, and they see, they see the star. These kind of things actually happened. And they were prophesied so many years beforehand. Um, talk about the, the forerunner that, that some that one John the Baptist would, would prepare the way in the spirit and power of Elijah when, and um, the scriptures are there uh, and fulfilled in John and in Matthew that he would begin his ministry in Galilee. What happens when they come out of Egypt? They would they were going to go back to Bethlehem, and I wonder if it wasn't for this reason. You understand when Mary came back from helping her. Her relative Elizabeth give birth. Elizabeth, remember, Elizabeth, um, the mother of John the Baptist, elderly, old, I mean, woman of advanced years. I'm sorry if you've been here. This is the key phrase you use that. Don't say old lady. Um, she, um, uh, Mary had just, Gabriel had said, you're going to be with child and stuff. And, and shortly after she heard that, she, heard, she also learned that, Je, that Elizabeth, her, her cousin, a uh, relative who lived um, outside of Jerusalem was six months along, so she went down there to help uh, the last three months with delivery and stuff. And when Mary comes back to Nazareth, um, Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant. And what, what's he to think? Well, what is everybody else to think? And so 
And go, he marries her. He goes, go ahead and marries her because the angel reveals and says, you should marry. This is, this is of the Holy Spirit. But how many of those people really believe that? You know what small towns are like. We're in one. Right? News just goes around. And now you've got little Facebook groups for your town, little town. And boy, if you get on somebody's bad side, you know. So it would make sense to be in Bethlehem because they didn't know you. And so they wouldn't have that, that murmuring. But what happened was um, Herod's brother or something was ruling. And, uh, and so they went up back up to, to Nazareth and fulfilling what um, the prophet uh, Isaiah 9 says it, that about that, that the, the, uh, the tribe of Naphtali and Zebulun says a light has dawned, you know, that that's where Christ would begin his minute. The Messiah would begin his ministry up there. Um, and, and we know that he did. Uh, speaking about his his ministry would be uh, have miracles and, and wonders and there's many scriptures we could put in the New Testament showing the times where where he performed miracles and stuff but pro- prophesied in Isaiah fifty uh, thirty five that he would be a gentle redeemer Isaiah forty two one and two the, one of my favorite verses out of Isaiah it says it says that a um, a br- a bruised reed he will not break off and a smoldering wick wick he will not put out. And you think about that that's how God looks at you. You might feel like you're a broken, bruised, you know, limb or a, a, a smoldering wick. He's not going to come put you out. He comes to breathe life into you, right? Think about the, the woman, the, the um, um, well, there's a Samaritan woman that despised everybody else, you know, and, uh, and, God, and Jesus gave her time and, and gave her life and, and the whole town came to Christ. You know, that was pretty exciting. Or the woman caught in adultery. Question is, where was the man if she was caught, you know? But, but he, the, the gentleness in which Jesus ministered to those who were broken, who were despised, who were, who were sick, uh, and he, he, this gentle redeemer. Um, Isaiah 53, that portion, not just that verse, but talks about how he would be despised and rejected by men. And of course, we, we um, see that prof, uh, fulfilled uh, or mentioned in Luke chapter 4, and, and we see that uh, in the life of Christ in the Gospels, that he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey, the coal, the full, the full of a donkey, Zechariah 9.9. 9. And, uh, and, and of course, this, this happens in um, Matthew 21. See, when, when Jesus, on the, the triumphal entry, when Jesus comes on a donkey into Jerusalem, and everybody's got their palm branches and, and their robes, and they're laying them down on, so, so, he, so that the donkey doesn't have to touch the ground, and they're, they're waving palm branches, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They knew exactly what they were saying. They were declaring Jesus is the Messiah, the promised King of Israel, who has come to redeem us. And and uh, the Pharisees who did, were uncomfortable with that, they knew that too, and they wanted them to be quiet. And then um, the Romans were aware of that as well. So many other things uh, betrayed that he would be betrayed by exactly thirty silver pieces. And uh, there in um, Zechariah, uh, excuse me, that's Zechariah 11, fulfilled, of course, in Matthew uh, 27. He would be silent before his accusers. Psalm 38 speaks of that. And we see that as he's before his accusers. He, he, and they're, they're throwing false accusations here, left and right. And he's just standing before them, uh, silent like a lamb before his shearers is silent. As prophesied. That he would be lifted up on a cross, no, Numbers, Numbers 21. Uh, the whole thing about Moses made the, the uh, pole with the serpent on it, 
uh, they were being bit by serpents. They were dying. And, and God said, create this and put it up. And anybody who looks to it would be healed uh, in the picture of, of Christ. And Christ, Jesus himself said, when I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. The, and, and they knew exactly what he's talking about. He didn't just mean, you know, that his name would be on some kind of billboard. They knew that lifted up meant to be put on a cross and understood what that meant. And this was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before. And even just the details about the crucifixion, 700 years before it was even invented. Psalm 22, you can read Psalm 22 yourself, and how it describes all the different elements about what happens to somebody's body when they're on the cross, not to mention the, the scorning that, that happened on, and all, I mean, the actual physical things that happen, your, this, your, my, your tongue sticking to the roof of your mouth, and your heart feels like wax, all my bones are, 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 are st- sticking out, and they've pierced my hands and my feet, you can see all these things. None of this existed when, when this psalm was written. There was nothing, but, 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 but God's, God prophesied, it painted the picture that we would know this is, this is what's coming. And of course, the resurrection in Psalm 16, among other places, it talks about his body did not see decay. Um, and all we see Jesus also talked to his disciples. He said, that they're going to go to Jerusalem. He'd be handed over to the chief priests. They would kill him and he'd rise from the dead. Remember that story? And when, when, when they hear that, they didn't hear the last part, rising from the dead. They just heard the part about dying. And said, no, 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 we don't want, we don't want that. We, you know, Peter said, no, that can't be. And, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the, but, but the, the things of man. But he truly is resurrected. In fact, for those who really want to know there, there have been some great books, uh, uh, quite a, a book written quite a while ago. Josh McDowell wrote a book, The Resurrection Factor, and there's been others. But of all the events of Jesus' life, even more than his birth, the resurrection is the most verifiable historical event of all. To the point, you, as you study it and understand the various people who were there and this happened and th- this claim was that... And that these, these, every disciple was willing to give their life. If, if, if they had actually stolen his body and hid it somewhere, don't you think one of them finally said, oh, I give up. Listen, I, I'll take his body's over there. You know, I'd, this hurts too much. And the fact that Christianity was birthed in the very place, if it was false, it could have been proven the quickest. In Jerusalem. If it was false, they, all they had to say is, hey, uh, you can, this is Jesus guy? Yeah. Let me just take you a little 15, 20-minute walk outside. I'll show you his grave. He's still there. And yet, in the place where it could have been proven to be false was a place where it actually exploded and went around the world. You know, if, you remember back in the 80s, Rajneeshi, remember that? Antelope, Oregon. We lived in Oregon during that time. And he was a guy from India, a guru from India who came over here. And all these wealthy executives and some celebrities, they just fawned all over this guy, joined him in this place of antelope, gave him all money. I mean, turned over all their money, would buy this guy Mercedes Benz. That was his gift. And he would, he would bless them by driving through their compound in his Mercedes. So they go just wave at him in awe and wonder, oh, 
You know, it's just like it was it was a it was this pretty sick kind of cult. The, the truth was he could get that in Antelope, little eastern Oregon, Antelope, Oregon, but he couldn't get back where he lived because they knew who he was. And and you hear the story that, you know, he was he wasn't anything. But Christianity was just the opposite. Where it could have been proven false, especially because the resurrection is the most significant element of, of faith in Christ. If the resurrection is not true, it's all the rest of it's worthless. But actually is absolutely true. So with all that said, and so much more could be, what are the chances that one person could fulfill all those things? I mean, think about this. Just look through your list. More than half of those, Jesus would have no control over them. He couldn't make, I mean, anybody, anybody here uh, choose your parents? <laughs> Or when you'd be born or where you'd be born. And so much of your childhood, you had no control over that. How would you make people want to crucify you? Well, maybe there's some things you could do. But, but I mean, and all these things that demanded that people had to have a certain hard heart at the right time against you when you didn't deserve it. And, and that to fulfill the very things that God said would happen. There's so many of these things Jesus had no ability to, to make happen himself. So what are the chances? Actually, there were some mathematicians who tried to figure that out. And I put these notes on your paper there, uh, probably in the backside. But 333 Old Testament prophecies containing 456 facts written 500 to 1,000 years before Christ. They tried to figure out the math, and it didn't take them too long to realize the math was impossible. Figure, what are the odds? One person could, could, could satisfy... 456 facts um, that were written centuries before. So they thought, and I put this on here for you, just for your reference, uh, that they took five, or excuse me, eight, eight specific, I've given you 15, they took eight specific uh, prophecies that were very clearly defined, and they determined the, uh, the odds that each one would, would uh, take for one person, and then they combined that, and however they, they some kind of, multiplying overall. Anyways, and so you have it there on your sheet. That for one man to fulfill just those eight, <laughs> 100,000 trillion to one. Those are the odds. That's, and I, I put this on it just for your reference, but that's like taking Texas, covering it too deep, two feet deep in half dollar coins, the entire state of Texas, and you put an X on just one of those coins, you blindfold somebody, tell them to walk wherever they want in Texas, and they have one chance to pick up the one coin that has the mark on it. This is what you call a statistical impossibility. But with God, all things are possible. My, my point is just if anything, to build some hope, some confidence, some assurance. We aren't worshiping just another myth or some kind of thing. We, we hope he's true. You know, I'm just going to believe it enough and maybe hope he's true. Jesus is a fact of history. He lived and died. 
And there's no mistaking. There's no getting around that. You can, you, you can believe, people can believe whatever they want, but you, you cannot make this go away. We could talk about the Bible too, but I don't have time. About the miracle book that that is. And therefore, what does that mean? That means what he said we should pay attention to. Because just believing something doesn't just make it true, does it? We must find that which is true and endeavor to follow that. Because only in that is their life. Amen? Just close with this, Romans, Romans 6. If you have a Bible handy, you could turn there if you'd like. Romans 6, verse 20. And I'll just be, just a few more minutes and then we'll, we'll, be, we'll be done. Romans 6, verse 20. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Now, we don't think, when we're out in the world living the way we want, we don't think we're slaves to sin. But that's really the, the, what's happened. You're living your life according to your sin nature. Or, or natu- we all have the desire to do things we shouldn't. That's why children ne- never have to be told to be bad. They don't have to be taught to be bad, right? You have to teach them to be good, right? Uh, I don't know. Kids just instinctively learn how to tell their parents no, right? right? Or mine, Right? But they don't naturally learn how to share. Right? That's sin, our sin nature. When we were slaves of sin, we were free from the control, right? control of righteousness. We thought that was good, right? But what benefit, he says, did you reap at that time of the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But verse 22 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God in, in all the right ways, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. That the only path to freedom and eternal life is through Christ. Amen? Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. You can't get away from that. Right? But the gift of God, and this is, this is what the good news of great joy is. It, it's the gift of God. We are, are earning away from Christ, living the way we want, according to our own sinful nature, whatever that looks like. We are earning the very thing that is coming, and that ultimately is death. But God doesn't come with us with wages, but he comes to us with the gift of eternal life through Christ. Amen? That all who re- repent, those who come to him, and, and put their faith in him, um, will find forgiveness and, and eternal life. John uh, 1, verse 11 and 12. He came to that which was his own, but, he, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave, he gave the right to become children of God. You understand that what we're talking about here, we're not talking about a religious life. We're not talking about some kind of... Um, Ritual thing. We're talking about a relationship where you are a child of God. He is your father. Remember, the Lord's Prayer begins, doesn't begin with our master, right? The Lord's Prayer doesn't begin with our employer or our slave owner. It begins with our father. And it's a relationship that God has opened the way for you. If you will come and, and turn your life to Him, and most all of you have had, at least I don't know of everyone. Um, and give your life to him in faith. 
uh, and, and, and he, you become a child of God. John 5, verse 24, I tell you the truth. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He will not be condemned, but has crossed over from death to life. See, belief is only as good as the object of that belief. Correct? Faith in a lie cannot prevent the consequences of living that lie to come upon you. Only that which is true, only that is really true, can save our soul, can change our life and set us free. Truth can only be discovered. It can can never be created. Amen? And that's what this good news of great joy is. He didn't leave us on our own, right? He didn't leave us in the, to, to suffer in the consequences that we deserve. He came and rescued us and ransomed us. And Christmas was, as I said, that first salvo from heaven. All right, we're going after it. Bringing you from death to life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Amen? So that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I like the next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And that is what we have today. Amen? Would you stand with me? I hope you're able to join us tonight. I understand if you can't, but it's going to be a special time. But let's just bow our heads. And I know, let's think about, what would that innkeeper say right now? Okay, now you know. You've known. and some. What are you going to do with what you know? Christ has come that we might know him and be free. And I just give you this, this time in the quietness of your own heart. The Lord speaking to you. Do you know that you need to give your life to Christ? You have not truly surrendered your life to Christ. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. To, to come and, and be the Lord of your life. That, that this, is, this is the perfect time to do that. And we just would just, you just would just in your own heart, just say to God, just say, God, God I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of just doing my own thing. I, I put my complete trust in you. Be the Lord, the director of my life. And I thank you that, as your word says, I can become your child, a child of God. I call you Father. And if that's your desire, if you prayed that, just, just know that, that, that God hears you where you're at. And I'd love to talk with you afterwards. We have connection cards if you wanted us to meet. If you've made that kind of sin, you can just write on that connection card in the back of the pew, of the pew, of the chairs. You could stick it in one of these boxes out here by the door and, and put a note. I want to talk to Pastor, and um, we'd be glad to do that. Um, otherwise, the rest of us, that can we just rejoice in the fact that, that, that our God lives and he reigns? Amen? Father, we just thank you, God, that, that we have not come to some kind of um, fairy tale or, uh, or, or, or anything, just some kind of make-believe world. But while we have come to the true and living God, who has truly come and loved us, sent his Son, took upon the, the form of man, 
lived as we did, became our substitute, took the punishment we deserved, that, that, that the punishment might be paid, the law might be satisfied, and we, by faith in that work to save us, uh, can now be set free and be your children. God, we just thank you for the, the marvel of, 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 of heaven, of, of the wisdom of God, the love of God, the power of God to overcome all the work of darkness. Um, you won. You have won. And through Christ, we win in this life. No matter how, what, what this life is, God, we thank you. That this good news of great joy means not, that, not just that we're, gonna, we're saved from our sin, but we have you to walk with us through this life. That no matter what comes, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I just, we just thank you. Father, I'm, I'm asking you, God, that you would, would move upon each, each one here, each home represented here in Jesus' name that you might be glorified, you might be revealed, you might be, be Lord um, and do your work. And God, there'll be some here that they need a, a, a touch from God in their home or in your life. If you, if you need, you don't have to say what it is, if you have a, a need, God, I need, I need you to, to move in my family or in my life. You just put your hand up real quick. I just want to, you're just saying, God, I, I'm lifting my hand to you right now. And, and, and I'm going to do that in faith, believing that you're able to do what I cannot do. Can you just lift that up to him, just to the Lord right now? Just tell him what it is. Lord, we just come to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And God, we just pray for the breakthrough that you offer, for the healing that you have, the provision you have, Lord, for the wisdom that needs to happen, Lord, the direction, God, in Jesus' name. You be, be glorified in, in every way. And we just thank you and praise you. Father, I pray your blessing upon us as we go. And that, that guard and keep us in all of our travels. And may the blessing of presence of God be in our, in our gatherings in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas if, if I don't see you tonight. <laughs>